live from Lamert Park, USA. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me back in stride again. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app by going to KBLA 1580. Download the app and take us with you anywhere in the world and listen to us in real time. No matter where you are on the globe, if you have the app, download it on your phone. You can listen to us in real time at KBLA 1580. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of our program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. Let me also invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap for you today. In our second hour, did the pharmaceutical industry intentionally target white consumers and doctors to prescribe pain medication while framing whites as being at low risk for addiction? Dr. Helena Anderson, uh, Hansen that is, Dr. Helena Hansen joins us in our two to discuss her new book, Whiteout, How Racial Capitalism Changed the Color of Opioids in America. In our third hour, Emory professor, philosopher, and leading public intellectual, Dr. George Yancey joins us for a conversation about his controversial and provocative piece, Dear White America. Dr. Yancey maintains that to be white in the United States is to be racist. Ouch. Are you buying or selling that? We'll hear Dr. George Yancey out in hour three. But in this first hour today, two conversations on the B side of this hour. The president of UTLA, United Teachers Los Angeles, Cecily Myrard Cruz, joins us live in studio to discuss the massive three-day LAUSD teacher and staff strike that will shut down Los Angeles public schools beginning tomorrow. What's behind this explosion of labor discontent will go straight to the source when Cecily Myrat Cruz joins us live in studio in about 30 minutes. I can see out the window of my studio. She's just walked in the building, so she's here already and ready to go. I love teachers. They're always on time, early, in fact. So we'll get to the president of UTLA uh, in about 25 minutes. Uh, she's in the building, and I can't wait for that conversation. All parents, I'm sure, uh, waiting to hear what she has to say about this three-day strike that commences tomorrow. We begin today's program, though, unpacking the latest trending headlines with researcher, message maker, and campaign advisor Anat Shanker Osorio. Anat, good to have you back. How are you today? I'm all right. Thanks for having me. Good morning. It's good to have you on. There's so many things we could talk about in these uh, 25 minutes or so, um, but it seems to me that the one thing we cannot avoid is the one thing that the entire country is talking about and uh, many bracing themselves for, and that is whether or not this is indictment week for Donald Trump. Um, he, as you all uh, all know, tweeted over the weekend, or not tweeted, on his, on his social uh, platform, uh, Truth Social, uh, he advanced the notion that he expects to be uh, indicted this week, expects to be arrested this week. And when that happened, everybody started covering this story because it, it came directly from him uh, that he was expecting, again, to be indicted, to be arrested this week. Um, I was just reading in the New York Times, I'm reading a number of things this morning or not, but uh, I want to quote quote from the New York Times right quick, but not really quote, but just take from them. 
there are a number of articles, of course, in the Times and elsewhere about what we expect may happen. We know that in New York, they are the law enforcement agencies are coordinating security measures if and when this moment does happen. So it seems that something's about to go down. Um, but uh, from the New York Times, two reasons not to charge him. Number one, the case would rely on combining charges, falsifying business records to cover up a campaign finance violation that prosecutors in New York have never combined in this way before. This is not a slam dunk, number one. Number two, the federal government has a process honed over decades by both Democratic and Republican lawyers investigating presidents and candidates. Of course, Trump is very different. Uh, than most other presidents. But in today's polarized environment, it's not hard to imagine that an indictment in this case could lower the bar for partisan local prosecutors to bring future cases against national politicians. Those are two reasons the Times argues why he should not be indicted. Uh, the political impact. Uh, let me let me back up. That's why he should um, uh, should not be charged. There are two reasons why they, they should charge him. One, the evidence that Trump broke the law seems substantial. Uh, Michael Cohen already testifying. He's former lawyer. Uh, about the the money that Trump gave to him to pay off Stormy Daniels to remain quiet, uh, and number true, uh, number two uh, for why you uh, should charge him. It's true that prosecutors have typically treated presidents with deference, but again, Donald Trump is not like any other former president, given the way he's misbehaved on so many different levels. So, from the New York Times, there uh, there are there two reasons why he should not be charged, but uh, two reasons on the other hand why he should be charged. All that said or not, what do you make of this story? Oh, you're just easing me in with a real <laughs> softball here. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate yeah, yeah. It. So what I make of this story is that, full disclosure, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't view things from a legal lens. Mm -hmm. What I am is a person who studies perception and persuasion and thinks about messaging. So my answer to that is that a message is only as good as what we want it to accomplish. So when I think through what is this, what's going to happen, how do we deal with it, what I have top of mind is actually that we do ourselves a massive disservice if we allow Trump himself as a singular figure to dominate this story. Mm. In fact, the task before us, and it's a hard one, is to bring key Republicans complicit in these crimes into view and make what Trump did part of his broader plan of lying, law-breaking, and corruption, of course, as we're awaiting the other indictment, the Georgia indictment, that is about over the attempted overthrow of the will of the people. And so what we need to do here, I would argue, because I'm assuming he is going to be indicted, that is where the wind seems to be blowing, and mm -hmm. so we have to operate in the realm of what is going to occur, not what ought to occur, what ought not to occur. And in that realm, thinking about the messaging, it's really about how this entire, let's just be brutally honest, fascist faction mm. aided and abetted, cheered on, and continues to support a man who is part of a criminal conspiracy. And actually, where we need to focus in is on wedging them and saying that it's time, it's past time for every Republican in office to denounce their former leader mm. and to declare that they stand with we the people and that he must face the full consequences for his crimes. Mm. Just getting started with Anat Shanker Osario. I, I, I take her opening statement, as it were, uh, and there are a few things that she just said that I want to interrogate in just a moment. You're listening to Anat Shanker Osario. 
Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Let's unpack a bit more with Anat Shanker Osario. Uh, she's the perfect person to have on uh, in this hour uh, because she is a, a message maker, a campaign advisor, and brilliant strategist. And we're talking uh, about uh, the indictment that is expected uh, of one Donald Trump uh, in the uh, coming days, perhaps. Uh, not sure what's going to happen out of Georgia. We'll talk about that. There's some breaking news uh, about of the out of the case uh, that uh, Fannie Willis has been advancing with a grand jury in Fulton County. Uh, we don't know what the special prosecutor in the Department of Justice is ultimately going to do. We do know, or expect at least, uh, based on all the reporting, uh, that in this city of New York, in Manhattan, the DA there uh, is uh, on the verge, uh, we are told, uh, of indicting Donald Trump in this particular case of hush money for the uh, adult film star Stormy Daniels to not say things about him that would be unflattering uh, when he was running for office uh, a few years ago. So, not you said a couple things I want to come to right quick watching my time here. Number one, um, you, you said that we should not allow Donald Trump to dominate this story. I kind of chuckled when you said that because Don, Donald Trump dominates everything. He sucks the air out of the room whenever he walks in. So I hear the way you're framing this, but how is it possible, particularly at this point, since he put this out first on his on his uh, Truth Social uh, uh, platform? How is it possible for him not to dominate the story? Yeah, and let let me unfortunately operate within the realm of uh, the real world, which is a place I would rather spend less time, but here we are. <laughs> of course, this is going to be a story about Trump. That's a given. Right. What I'm talking about is what we're capable of doing with our own messaging, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not in charge of what he says. We're not in charge of what his supporters say. We're not in charge of what the mainstream media says, et cetera, et cetera. But we are in charge of what we say. It's part of the reason why I work on messaging. The words that come out of our mouth or are typed out of our fingers are of our own volition. Mm-hmm. And so in that, when and if we can, even seemingly facile distinctions like calling him the former MAGA president rather than Trump, and regardless, making sure that when we do refer to this indictment and probably mention Trump, we bring it back to, yes, this is a tragic day for our country. The former MAGA president is now being indicted, and the full light is going to come to the crimes that he's been perpetrating from the very first moment he began running for office to the very last day he attempted to cling to power. But what we need to focus on and recognize is that the very people who supported, cheered, aided, and abetted every one of his crimes from start to finish are very much in office today. And that's what the voters need to focus on. It's just bringing that element into the story, making sure we also say that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other point you made was that um, those on the right need to, at this moment, um, now denounce him. If this indictment comes down as we expect, uh, your point was uh, that he ought to be denounced. Uh, others have, of course, expressed the same sentiment, but it's one thing to express it. Quite another thing to see the chair of the Republican Party or anybody else say he needs to get out of this race, uh, that there's no uh, reason, no good reason why he should remain in a race uh, to be the nominee of their party. Of course, as we all know, Donald Trump has said that if he is indicted uh, by any one or all three of these agencies in Fulton County, in New York, or by the federal government, he is not getting out of the race. Um, talk to me about, again, from a messaging standpoint, how the Republican Party writ large, how Republican leaders writ large process the fact that they have a guy running for the nomination of their party who will be under uh, potentially indictment. Yeah. So I also want to be clear that, again, I, I do operate in the realm of the real world. And in no way do I believe that 
us calling for them to denounce him actually means that they will. They have proven over and over and over, and they seem to be tripping all over themselves to prove that they can be more loathsome with each and every day Mm. in every possible way. Mm. So the tactic of saying, hey, do you stand with we the people? Do you stand with the truth? Do you stand with the notion that the law applies equally to every single one of us, no matter what we look like, what our office, where we come from or what's in our wallets, or will you continue to aid and abet this criminal former president of yours? The purpose of that tactic is not because they're going to do it. It's because for, it's for two reasons. For conflicted voters who are still, you know, on the edge or who are still like, okay, well, Trump was bad, and, you know, that was a bad era, but he's gone now, and it's over, and democracy's good, and we're all set. (laughs) People who really want to subscribe to magical thinking, which we see in our research over and over again, people have a deep hunger for normalcy, and to say, okay, things are okay now, because they don't want to live with the notion that actually things are not okay and they've never been okay because we've actually never lived in a democracy. And so we need to make sure that those kinds of folks who just want to have this all over with have present in their minds that the opposition is not Trump and it's over. It is Trumpism. It is fascism in this present day form that is bound to determine to take away our freedoms, especially the freedoms of black people, of queer people, of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to make sure that people are present to that. And then for our other voters, for our disaffected base, who are understandably and justifiably disgusted with this entire process, we see this in focus groups over and over and over, especially with younger folks, especially with younger folks of color, No shock, what I'm about to tell you, you know, he can get away with anything. If you're a rich white guy, you can get away with anything. There's literally nothing you can do. You can send people to the Capitol and literally kill people, and, you know, nothing happens to you. So it is actually important that people feel like government at some level does, quote-unquote, work, and justice can indeed be done, because we need to combat that sense of cynicism that the entire system is so rotted to its core that there's actually no purpose to being involved at all. Let me play devil's advocate. Uh, no surprise to you. <laughs> uh, that's what I do. Uh, to your point of um, the focus uh, group polling, uh, which suggests uh, that there are many people, particularly young people, who look at him as a rich white male, uh, and see that once again, these white males can get away with anything. I hear the point loud and clear. The flip side of that, is, uh, of that argument, for sake of argument, uh, it takes me back to the New York Times that I uh, referenced a moment ago. And at least two reasons they have argued, not argued, but laid, uh, put forth, of why he perhaps should not be indicted. Number one is that this case is not a slam dunk. We all know that Alvin Bragg, the first African-American DA in Manhattan, he's been on this program as a guest before. We'll get him back again whenever he starts talking. He's not talking at the moment for obvious reasons. Uh, But uh, Alvin Bragg sort of backed away from this uh, when he took over as DA, as we all know. Uh, A number of prosecutors in his office resigned, uh, walked away because they thought he was, you know, doing the Michael Jackson moonwalk uh, away from uh, indicting Donald Trump. He was scared, perhaps, for some reason. He rebounded, and now we 
are on the on the verge of Donald Trump perhaps being indicted by his office. But this case is not a slam dunk, and that may have been one of the reasons Alvin Bragg sort of backed away. You put Donald Trump under the microscope, it's a difficult case to prove, it doesn't stick, and you got egg on your face. That's number one. The second reason is, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, that it lowers the bar uh, in the years ahead for local districts to be more partisan in prosecuting not just uh, high-ranking politicians, but indeed the president. I mean, think about this. He's about to be indicted potentially by the city of New York. He's about to be indicted uh, potentially by the uh, by Fulton County, I- Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, these are these are local jurisdictions, uh, and one can see in the future how it lowers the bar, and people at the local level uh, decide they want to you know get a national politician, and they bring up these charges. So, what about those two arguments that it's not a slam dunk number one, and that it lowers the bar for partisanship in the future, or not? Yeah. So again, here's where. You know, you may have just caught me out of my depth, and I'm not a politician, so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert <laughs> in things that I'm not an expert in. Um, whether or not it is an illegal slam dunk, and it's really actually a very challenging case, and you know, we might not, I just don't feel uh, sort of at my depth to opine. So that's me just being honest with you. I know it's refreshing and strange. Hopefully, it still <laughs> makes sense. But um, it's 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 a it's it's a risk though. That's the one thing that you do know. You you are a message maker. It is a it is a risk. We are told by every legal expert this trial, uh, this indictment rather of Donald Trump that will lead to a trial. It's a risk. It's not a slam dunk. Yeah. Well, I operate in a world in which every single thing that we do is a risk Fair when enough. we run candidates <laughs> that they say are you know too left or too black or too women or too whatever for Mm -hmm. the districts that we're trying to run them in, you know, I mean, at the risk of hyperbole, I think one can hear in this echoes and permutations, and I'm, you know, this is a bit of a stretch, but it's variations on the theme of what Martin Luther King Jr. was telling us from the letter from the Birmingham jail. If you want things to change, you know, if you want to touch a nerve, you've got to touch a nerve. Mm-hmm. And if you truly believe that wrongdoing was done on a scale that impacted not just what these kind of rich, white, storied people who get to consider Manhattan their playground and screw with people's lives and livelihoods and act as you know, horrible landlords and buy up the city, which is what Trump was doing once upon a time before mm-hmm. he you know, then became a reality star and then became the president. There have to be some sort of consequences. Mm-hmm. If people are allowed to operate without impunity, then with, with impunity, pardon, then what does that say about the entire framework? And on the point of, you know, now there's going to be tit for tat, now yep. there's going to be retribution. Yep. Sure, but there's in retribution, right? They're already doing this wacko. I mean, I guess it's fitting that their elected leader is McCarthy because we are indeed back in McCarthyism Mm. with all sorts of trials happening for just absolute abject nonsense. And so the idea that we can somehow pull our punches and, you know, be so nice and not do things. And then maybe they're not going to do stuff to us. I don't really know what to say to that other than, like, 
are you looking around? Regardless of what we do or don't do, the levers we attempt to pull, the demands that we make or don't make, how politely and kindly we please, oh, please, sir, please grant me some of my own basic humanity so that I can just function and live my life. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Mm -hmm. We know that. And so I'm just not very stirred by the, we must pull our punches because if we don't, then they will punch us. I can assure you we can keep turning the other cheek and they will keep slapping it. Yeah. Uh, any white woman that's quoting MLK uh, and Frederick Douglass is okay by me. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 she's dropping King quotes. She's weaving in Frederick Douglass quotes. She is okay by me. I've got uh, three minutes left of this conversation and not uh, two things I want to get to uh, right quick. Um, the flip side of, of the Trump conversation is the Joe Biden conversation, because if Trump does somehow pull this out and becomes the nominee again and Joe Biden is the Democrat nominee, here we go with round two of this. Um, uh, one, are Republicans delusional if they think that Biden is going to be an easy target, easy to defeat this time, given these polls? And speaking of polls, an Iowa poll out this morning suggests that Biden's approval rating is slipping ahead of his likely presidential reelection run. In two minutes, your take on those uh, 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 trending headlines. Yeah, what I'll say about that is let's look at the most recent precedent. And the most recent precedent was the midterm election, which in many ways is actually a much harder one than the presidential because of everything we know about what happens when an incumbent is in office. There's a huge historical president coming in office. The people on his side do not turn out. And what we saw in this election was really a tale of two cities, if you will. In the 15 states that were battleground states, places where neither Biden nor Trump had won by five points or more, we had turnout equal to 2018, which was already unheard of, and this was extra super unheard of because of the incumbency point. In those 15 states, we had a blue undertow. With that historic participation, we largely, with some exceptions, mostly up and down the ticket, we won. We turned our folks out and we won. We beat back that red wave. In the other 35 states, we had the regular anticipated drop off and we didn't win. This is all about marshalling that exact same group of people who recognize that this is a contest between freedom and fascism. And when voters understand that, they turn out and they turn out for us. I'm not Shanker Osario um, is uh, is a message maker, uh, a campaign advisor, uh, and uh, I would add to that a brilliant public intellectual. And I'm always delighted to be in dialogue with her on this program. Uh, now, thank you for your time. We'll do it again soon. I promise you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Same to you. Uh, when we come forward after news, traffic and sports, as promised, the head of UTLA, Cecily Myard Cruz, is in the building, as you all know. Uh, tomorrow starts a three-day labor strike. Uh, teachers are walking out, um, support staff walking out, and so I know you parents are awfully concerned about what happens to your kids uh, for the next few days. Uh, and so we'll go straight to the source and talk to Cecily Myatt-Cruz, Madam President uh, of UTLA, when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.